Good morning, everyone. I am uh, I am recording this as we go, um, so we'll be able to still upload this onto YouTube for those of our, our folks who are at home and have been joining us using YouTube Live until today for obvious reasons. Thank you all for coming and bearing with us as we've gone through quite an interesting morning, to say the least. Um, it appears that the transformer box has to be replaced. Um, my heart is still beating a little too fast from them replacing the fuse and blowing that out immediately. <laughs> we are going to try and keep worship a little shorter. I will tell you, I, I come in about an hour or so before, I try to be here nice and early so I get a chance to finish my sermon. Um, just kind of read through it, do my practicing. I usually write my last little bit. I didn't do that today for obvious reasons. So to be fair, my sermon's already a little shorter. Uh, one major correction uh, to the bulletin. It says the flowers on the altar are to the glory of God and in memory of Rachel Bowler. It's in honor of her birthday. Um, she is very much still with us. <laughs> Are there any other announcements today? Yes. Go ahead, Becky. For back to school class and kids' closet, if you would like to donate um, money towards back to school class, they are in need of that, and also for kids' closet, um, if you just take an envelope and write back to school class or kids' closet on it, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. We are having um, kids' or uh, Back to school class on August 2nd, and kids' closet we're going to do a little bit different this time. We're going to have the family sign up uh, in a time slot to come through, so one family at a time. And um, so that will be kind of through the whole month of August on the Saturdays. I might just reiterate that for the people who are watching and recording. Um, we Kids Closet and Back to School Blast are still going forward. They are going to be looking different as far as the Kids Closet goes. We're going to be asking people to sign up for time slots to come into the church, and we'll have the space set up for them. Um, just try to lessen the chance of having people in and, and getting each other sick. Uh, we are also asking for those who are willing and able to donate to help support uh, Back to School Blast and the Kids Children's Closet um, to just put in an envelope, mark Kids Closet, Back to School Blast on it, and we'll make sure it gets into the right account. I think we had an announcement from over here. I am glad we're still holding church. Well, we're we're so happy to have you join us today. Yeah, the offering plate is here. It's just in the back still. I will put out one extra warning. If you choose to use the restrooms down here, they do not have windows in them. And they do not have working power lights right now. So take your cell phone if it's got a flashlight or ask for help if you need. 
Are there uh, any prayer requests, joys, or concerns? I'm, I'm glad that he's doing, I'm glad he's almost halfway through um, and that they were able to control that reaction. That's, that can be scary. I got a prayer request this morning um, from Kim Morkel for Bruce. He is, let me double check the text. I didn't write it, have a chance to write it in yet. Um, Bruce is having surgery this coming Thursday. Um, from his uh, issues with chronic um, diverticulitis. So prayers for Bruce this week. Have we heard how uh, Rollin made out with his surgery? I have not heard yet. I talked to him, and they um, removed more skin cancer on his hands, and he's in pain, but they got it all in there. Oh, wonderful. And Dee, is she any better? You may have also seen in the prayer chain that uh, Karen is back in the hospital. They found some more cancer. Um, they're going in for gamma knife surgery uh, this coming week. So prayers for their family as they go through that. But on the, the really good news is Nicole, her granddaughter, who has been looking for a kidney for some time now, um, they found a donor. So prayers as they go through that process, we know it's, it can be complex and a lot of waiting. So prayers that everything goes forward smoothly. Well, if you'll join us as we enter this time of worship and we listen to the music.
If you'll pray with me. Dear God, thank you for making us such flexible creatures, able to find ways to be together, to worship, no matter what the circumstances throw at us. We thank you for this space, that we can still be in relative comfort, while enjoying being with one another. We lift up today our brothers and our sisters. We lift up Bruce and Rollin and Eric 
as their bodies heal. We lift up Karen as well. We pray that you are with them as they get ready for surgeries, as their bodies work towards being better. We pray that your comfort and your healing touches upon them. We thank you for birthdays, for family that are with us, for the love and joy that we get from being alive in your world. We pray with joy for little voices. We lift all these things up to you, Lord. And may our prayers always be, your will be done. Amen. I have our special music. Wake up my computer. Everybody. Um, this song is called um, Need You Now. It's by Plum. Um, and it's just whenever we call, it's so nice to know that he is there whenever we should need him. Thank you. 
How many times have you given me strength? How many times have you heard me cry, oh God, please take this? How many times have you given me strength to just keep breathing? Oh, I need you, God. Thank you so much, ladies. All right. We've only gotten 20% of my power down. I think we'll make it. Today's reading comes from Acts chapter 9, 1 through 19. Meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, man or woman, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up to the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he went without sight and ate neither ate or drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord came to him in a vision. Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord then said, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias. Come to him and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all those who invoke your name. The Lord said to him, go, 
For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went, and he entered the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was a disciple in, the, in Damascus. There's this old story. You may have heard it or a version of it about a scorpion. It wants to cross the river. But being a scorpion, it couldn't swim. I say that not actually knowing if scorpions can swim or not, but it's part of the story. So as he's walking along the riverbank, he comes across a fox. Fox, take me across the river. Fox looks at him and goes, Look, I could do that. You are a little scorpion, and I am a fox. I could carry you across, no problem. However, you scorpions are known for one thing, and it's that venomous stinging tail on your back. I don't want to do it. You'll sting me. Scorpion goes, no, come on. There's no real danger. Look, if I sting you, you will drown. If you drown, I will drown. It makes no sense for me to sting you. Fox acquiesces. And they begin their journey across the river. Halfway across, the scorpion brings its tail down on the fox. As the fox starts to drown, he goes, why? And the scorpion says, I couldn't help it. It's my nature. And they both die. It's one of those really old stories. We don't even know where it comes from. It may come from Russia or China or Persia. They all have a version of this tale. Sometimes it's a turtle or a frog instead of a fox. If you go to Aesop's tale, he tells a version of this where it's a farmer and a snake. An asp, actually, but same difference. The story is always the same in the end. I can't help it. It's my nature. We vacillate in these stories between offering grace, it's something we're told to do, and remembering that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Ananias has a reason to be afraid. For the last two weeks, we followed Philip, you know, as he goes to the Samaritans and Simon, as he goes and visits the eunuch from Ethiopia. But we kind of skip the whole reason he's not in Jerusalem. Originally, he was tasked with the, the job of making sure that the Greek Jewish widows and orphans were cared for. But he's not doing that. He's out evangelizing. Because Jerusalem is a violent place right now for Christians. Or as they would have been known to themselves, believers or followers of the way. All because of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. The first man who died because of his faith in Jesus. He was a young, 
intelligent man who had such zeal for the Lord that he stopped at nothing to preach the gospel and spared no one's feelings in doing so. This proves to be problematic for him as he gets on the bad side of a Greek synagogue. So bad, they broke the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not commit false witness. Stephen was brought in for questioning before the Sanhedrin. And just like Peter and John had gone through twice before, but he was not Peter or John. He stood there and he preached to these people. He preached to the religious elite, telling them the whole story of God's work in Israel from the beginning with Abraham. Showing how repeatedly God picked unexpected people, unexpected events, and used them to shape the world and bring about salvation. And then how people over and over and over again rejected God's plan, rejected God's messengers, and brought about sorrow and pain for themselves. Of course the Sanhedrin knew this. These were the temple elite. This was the temple faction, the Sadducees, along with the uh, synagogue faction, the Pharisees. These were the elite religious people of their era, the most learned. They knew this better than anyone else. They were the inheritors of the traditions that stretched all the way back to the base of Mount Sinai. They knew the ancient ones had disobeyed, and they knew they were doing a better job. Except they weren't. And Stephen attacked this belief of their superiority. They weren't doing any better than their ancestors. They had done it themselves. They had done a worse job because God sent down God's self in Jesus, and they rejected God on earth. Well, this didn't sit well with the Sanhedrin and those who were watching. Yes, Peter and John certainly were on their bad side already, but Peter and John were well-liked. They had healed people right there at the temple. They were somewhat respected by everyone. Stephen was a nobody. Stephen was brash and very annoying to them. I can't help but remember, and I am sure I've been more than guilty of it, and I know I've worked with I remember especially one young lady, but being that college age, and I knew better than everyone else. And sometimes that gets you into trouble. Stephen, it definitely did. And before they even had a sentence, they dragged him out of the Sanhedrin, out to the outside of the city gates, and stoned him to death. That incident started a firestorm of violence in the city. Much of it led by another young, bright young man named Saul, a Pharisee. He dragged believers out of their home and threw them into jail. Believers flee in front of him. And that's where we get the story of Philip coming in. He's fled, and he spreads the gospel while doing so. The thing is, Saul is really good at his job a little too good at his job. And before he knows it, all the Christians have supposedly fled the city. We're told the apostles are still there, but no one seems to be able to find them. So, 
What's he going to do? Okay, he's got to get a new target. We aren't told why he picks Damascus of all places. It's not that close to Jerusalem. It's a little ways off. It is an ancient city. It actually may be the oldest continuously lived-in city in the world with a history stretching back over 4,000 years. I tend to think that maybe it was because it was such an old city, it was such a major trade center, that that's probably why he went there. After all, if the Christians had a presence there in Damascus, that means they could spread out faster than they could be contained. We all know what happened next. He's going there. He gets struck blind. He's unable to to get himself to Damascus. He needs the help of those who are traveling with him. And there he sits and he fasts and he prays for three days. And this is where we meet Ananias. We know virtually nothing about him. We have no idea who this person is whose actions will reshape the entire trajectory of not only Saul's life, but of the Christian faith. Let's face it, Christianity would not be what it is if it wasn't for Paul. By the way, I'm going to be saying mostly Saul through this. I might say Paul by accident. He's not Paul until chapter 10. He's still Saul. Anyway. What we can say is we know he's a follower of the way, as Christianity was then known. He was aware of what was going on in Jerusalem, but it does not appear that he was one of those who fled. It seems like he's already been there before Saul went on his rampage. Ananias, here I am, Lord. Go to the home of Judas. It's out on Straight Street. There you're going to find a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is there praying and has had a vision of you coming to heal him by laying your hands on him, and he'll regain his sight. Lord, I've heard about this guy, Saul, from a lot of people. He's, he's not a great guy. He's been doing a lot of evil work against your followers. Look, Ananias, I have chosen him. He will take my name to all of the peoples and their governments, even my own chosen people. And he will not bring suffering to Damascus. Rather, he is someone who will take on the suffering to himself. Go. So Ananias goes. He finds Saul. He lays his hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Saul's sight is regained. He's baptized into the way and he breaks his fast. What was it really like though for Ananias to go there? Can you imagine going to somebody who you know is personally responsible for imprisoning, possibly killing, those of your sisters and brothers just because they believe what they believe. He is asking, he has been asked by God to be the fox and to go meet the scorpion and escort him across the river. 
chances were he was going to get stung and end up in jail. I mean, come on. Saul was completely blind right now. That is great news. If you were blind, you couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't be a part of the religious elites. He would probably lose favor with the high priest. And that is great news. Ananias does remind me a lot of Jonah. Just this little bit. He's the good version of Jonah. Jonah's a bit of a grumpy. We'll go with grumpy. Jonas is grumpy. Ananias is a little like that. He argues back with God. Incredulous that God would ask him to go to this scorpion. Somehow he seems that God, he thinks that God is completely unaware of what Saul has done, which is always a little odd to me in the Bible where people think God doesn't know what's going on. But of course, unlike Jonah, he actually follows through. He goes to Saul and he isn't stunned. Now, it does take a lot of time before the believers actually allow Saul kind of into their inner circle. You know, there's a reason why you don't really hear about Paul for, you know, the about the mid part of uh, chapter 10 again, where he starts popping up more. And he doesn't become a main character until a little ways after that. He's kind of minor still because they're still holding him all off at arm's length. It takes Barnabas to come to them and talk about how Saul had preached so boldly of Christ in Damascus, so upsetting the people who thought that he was coming to support their side that he had to be snuck over the wall in a basket with a rope. I find it interesting to compare Stephen and Saul. Stephen is an obvious leader for this community. He is full of the spirit. He is quick in speech and a strong believer to the point of while he is being stoned to death, he asked God to forgive his attackers. If he had not met his end at this point, I am pretty sure that we would have another powerful voice in the Bible. Saul is like the shadow version of Stephen. Young, intelligent, powerful in word and speech, and extremely faithful to God. But he's on the other side of this growing rift between those who follow Jesus and those who don't. Two men so alike, yet so different. Saul stood there and watched the cloaks of his compatriots as they killed Stephen. And one day, he would take Stephen's place and die for his faith as well. Stephen's last message to the religious elites, those who had led the people of God, continued to have stiff necks just as they always had. They were unable to follow God's plan, unwilling to listen to God's messengers in the stories and the scriptures. Despite the fact that they had the ability to look back at those stories and scriptures. Now it's time for the way, for the Christians, to confront the same problem. Would they ignore God's new messenger, Saul? 
or would they expect, accept him? Sorry, wrote the wrong word in here. Accept him, even though he had once been the persecutor. He was a scorpion. The story of the fox and the scorpion warns us against too much grace. In fact, if you read Aesop's version of the tale, it's even harsher. It's a farmer who saves an asp from a fire and then gets bit by it. And that's technically where my sermon ended because I haven't written the end. <laughs> Goodbye. No. <laughs> because it does raise this really hard issue of how do we live as Christians in this world where we know that bad things happen, that people who harm others exist. And we can even pick those people out sometimes. But we are called to a life of grace, a life of forgiveness, of giving second chances. And that isn't an easy place to live. I like to try and take something from those first disciples, from Peter and James and John. James is going to die soon. His life isn't going to last that much longer. He will die before Saul becomes known as Paul. It's a dangerous world to live in back then. So what do we do today with our modern-day scorpions, whether we are the frog, the turtle, or the fox? I don't know. I would like to say, keep giving another chance. I believe you should keep giving another chance, and it isn't easy. I would recommend being careful while doing it. There's no reason to go running full headlong into a wall. But being a Christian isn't always necessarily about taking the easy path. Sometimes it means taking the hard path. Stephen took the hard path. He did things that were very unpopular, and he died for it. Paul took the hard path. He did the exact same thing as Stephen in the long run. He spoke truth to power, gospel to ignorance. And in the end, he too will lose his, his life. But we wouldn't be who we are if not for these people. We wouldn't be Christians if not for Stephen and Paul. Without the young man whose faith was so strong, it killed him or the scorpion who refused to sting, made it across the river and led a new church into something that was small and local, into the, one of the strongest organizations, basically, in the empire and eventually the world. I can't tell you what the answer is, because you're going to come across scorpions in your life. I also feel really bad because scorpions aren't inherently bad creatures, but I've been using them a lot in here. I mean, they're just animals. They just do what they do. Humans aren't animals like that. We don't have to give in to our natures. There's always room for change. Paul changed. 
I've changed. You've all changed. You aren't the same person you were yesterday, and you probably aren't the same person you were when you were 10, 12, 16, 30, however old you are, just go back from there. Any of those in-between ages, you change the whole way. You're always given those second chances. So I guess as you go out in this world, yeah, don't be dumb. But remember, you may be Ananias. And God's asked you to help this one scorpion get across the river and get a little closer to God. I pray that you can trust God enough to be able to do that. And if not, you always have the church there to support you. So I pray you trust your brothers and sisters to help you carry that person across too. Thank you. As you go out today, may you be blessed in this world. May you get the chance to be sometimes the carrier for God, and sometimes you get to be carried by God. And may you have a wonderful and safe week, and I pray that your air conditioning works at home. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you all for joining. <laughs>